You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tanya Pinkins. Welcome back for part two of You Can't Say That and my conversation with the brilliant actress Charlene Woodard, writer and director too. Visit me at BPN slash You Can't Say That. I, back then, right, if that happened today, equity would know about it. Mm -hmm. And equity would do something about it. Because the whole harassment thing now in the theater is a whole different thing. Like, you don't, but back then, I felt like, A, this is an old man, and he's, I don't want to ruin his, I don't know what kind of career. He, you know, I just didn't want to, and I thought I didn't want to be a troublemaker, and I wanted to come back to Philadelphia Drama Guild and everything. I did not, because I was so happy to be doing a play, mm. not a musical. Mm-hmm. And I did not report it, and I didn't say anything. I opened with a big black eye. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. And what I do know now is I'm saying it for all young actresses, we don't have to take it Mm. anymore, Mm. you know? We don't have to take it like that and be all afraid that you'll never be able to, you know, there is a harassment thing that that equity is is going to be behind you with that kind of madness. Um, I can't go along with that, but okay, it's a wonderful theory. Well, it's in place. (laughs) It's a wonderful theory. Nobody's messing with me now because they, I'm a grown woman. I've got decades behind me, but for everybody in their twenties, we've had some horrific things happen to us in the twenties that we could not say a, a word about, or we did not. And we would not because we didn't want to get blacklisted. Absolutely. We didn't want to get, you know. But, and I'm um, and I'm of this sort of weird place about it. It's like all of that I went through has made me as strong as I am now and mm-hmm. somehow I feel like that everything is made so easy. It it it's making the work sort of uh, the work is just like there's no that, that, that kind of grist. You know, that, you know, I don't want is, anybody to have to get slapped. But no, I'm saying but like know, the like, standard it's like, set. It's like in the in, in the oyster, there's that sand that gets in there that, that makes grist. the pearl. Yeah, and that's what I always said in the shows that went really flawlessly and everybody's getting along. Yeah. I said, well, this show's not going to work because <laughs> we're all just too much good friends and nobody's really reaching and taking the risk. Yeah, and it's like George Wolf said that the best ensemble is a group of stars who are on stage where everybody knows if you don't take the moment, somebody else will. Mm-hmm. So everybody's got to be trying to outdo mm-hmm. the other person. And that way, no matter where the audience looks, something is crackling and popping. Mm-hmm. And that was the excitement of watching those shows back then, too. Mm-hmm. That was the excitement, you know, of watching them. Was everybody was just like, uh-oh, my turn. Bam, my turn. No, Mo. No, my turn. Bam. <laughs> right, like right, right. Showstopper, 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 showstopper. And, you know, That's I had right. this conversation with um Matt, what I can't remember his name Matt Matt Lowe I feel like it music director and I remember he said to me you know I'm so fascinated by the fact that every night your blocking and your lines are the same for Caroline but you always give a different performance I there said well go. I'm an acoustic instrument mm. I can't you know, do the same thing. And he says, yes, but I have to make 12 companies. So I have to get someone, people who are going to have 12. I said, so you're turning musical theater or the theater into to Starbucks. He says, well, that's what I'm paying to do. I said, but musical theater was made by Americans. It was iconic. It was Ethel Merman's. It was mm-hmm. people who, there was only one of them in the world. And you had to go find another one of them in the world. And now you want, 
to find 12 people so you can have 12 so, companies So what you have to do thing? is homogenize your uh, performance so that he could say to someone, here she's sad, mm-hmm. and here she's happy, mm-hmm. and here she's, you know, but really... What did my teacher say? Steal and make it yours. You right. know, if these are the lines you have, then, you know, but what about, this is you doing that role. What are you going to do? And, uh, the, you know, these directors that want you to step right into a little uh, uh, a box, the little right. square, you know, no. <clears throat> That's why I don't um, do revivals and I don't do shows that, I prefer to originate Plays. Me too. I prefer that. I I don't think I could ever just, you know. I mean, um, I've been blessed in a way because I, you know, I, I've never even had to um, understudy. Never. Mm-mm. Oh, I, was, I understudied you, and they was trying to make me be Charlene. It's not fair. <laughs> no, I can't. I'm not. Can you, you imagine you and yeah, you in mm-hmm. my role as Tanya doing it? There you go. Right, but that was like a Charlene did, and I was like, but I'm not even like Charlene. I don't even look like Charlene. But I had a th- I had a through line saying "Ain't Misbehaving" that I never told anybody about, and I don't even think people knew that I had a through line because I had no words or anything. Mm-hmm. But I had a through line, and no one ever asked me, "What's your through line?" I think that's the secret to actually directing "Ain't Misbehaving," is to make sure that everybody a did the research. Read those, went to those movies, saw those movies of Fats at the rent party and all that stuff, and uh, and create a through line because it was a review, mm-hmm. you know. And I did a lot of reviews, and I had to have a through line <clears throat> for me because you know I was an actor, so I had to give myself background. I wasn't just waiting to sing my song, mm-hmm. you know. Because I, the song was going to be kind of, ooh, here we go. <laughs> I said that first day when I, I said I will rehearse this song in like um, two weeks, and they said in two weeks. I said yes because I'm creating the lady first who's going mm-hmm. to sing it because Charlene doesn't sing like that, but uh, the lady will. Mm. And on the day of rehearsing, Richard Maltby, Arthur Faria, and myself, and we're in this room with Luther Henderson at the mm. piano. I said, Luther, I'm just going to sit right here next to you, okay? Aww. And I'm just going to, come on, it's going to be me and you. He says, yeah, that's right, Lane. I'm, we're just going to potchke around. We're just going to potchke around. And I remember that keeping out of mischief now was just from, came from uh, just trying to get comfortable with mm. Luther mm. on that piano stool mm. and trying to get comfortable and, and tell the story of the song. I wasn't trying to be, you know, any vocal pyrotechnics or anything. I was already tired from rehearsing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two weeks of that. And um, and then at one point, um, Arthur said, get up, get up and walk towards center. And, you know, and, you know, and, then, and then Luther started really playing away, like, that'll be the band. I'll go, we'll, and then we'll, sh- hey, we'll just uh, shift the key, Lane, shift the key. I said, oh, okay. And I kept singing and singing, and then it's like, we did it. Mm. It, it. It was like an improv mm. in the rehearsal room, you know? Because I couldn't read music off a, off a sheet. I could read music and take it home and play it on my violin mm. and hear it. Mm. But that, that song came about in a rehearsal that, like I've never had before. Because mm. I had 
you know, Luther Henderson. And I got to have Luther Henderson. Yes. And I have a similar yes, you do. Luther Henderson story like that when I did Play On. And I had mm. Andre Shields, mm. Larry Marshall, Yvette Casson, Cheryl Freeman, Carl. You know Carl? Carl. Carl is dead. And why can't I get his last name? Famous R&B singer. Oh, my God. Forgive me, Carl, that I cannot remember your last name right now. Um, but I, I had, saw this show. They were all these recording artists, and mm -hmm. they riffed, and, and, and that's just not ever what I thought of myself as doing. Mm -hmm. And I asked if I could just do the song as a monologue. And so that's what I did for the rehearsals because I was terrified mm -hmm. of singing in front of those in people. Front of the and so Luther, he orchestrated to my monologue. <gasps> See? <laughs> yes, he did. He orchestrated to my monologue. And, and that is how I was able to do that song. Mm. And, then, and then the thing that made it a showstopper was I missed a performance to go work on something. And I came back and my understudy, Angela Robinson, was on stage. And she did something that I didn't do. And I went up to her and I said, Angela, that was fabulous. I'm going to steal that and I'm going to put something else on it. And then I took what Angela did, and I put my thing on it, and it became a stop-the-show moment. Steal it and make it yours. Exactly. That's right. Geniuses steal and amateurs right. borrow. That's right. I remember that show. I saw it down in San Diego, and I remember there was a pin light on you, and you were singing, and you were coming towards the audience, being glided. All we saw was your face, and then we saw your neck, and then we saw, as you were coming closer and closer to the audience, you started upstage, and it seems like you were gliding towards us, and as it kept going and going, and next thing you know, the light had totally, uh, you were illuminated totally, and I said... She's nine months pregnant. <laughs> my God. She's about to drop that baby. Oh, my God. I hadn't seen you in, like, months. And I said, and you sang that song like it was nothing. And I was like, look at her. And sure enough, I think a week later, you had your baby. And then came on back to the show. Bam, bam, bam. I was like, what? And you were like, oh, yes, that's right. I'm about to drop this baby. And the whole cast was like, yeah, and we are nervous every night. Every night they were like, what's Tanya doing to us? But this is what I mean, That's Tanya. What we did. This is what I That's love. How we did it. The, and the risk involved. And it's like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this to the best of my ability. And I am only thinking about this play right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that was the way we did it. You know, the theater was our church, our mosque, mm -hmm. our temple. Mm -hmm. That's it. And we serve it. Yes. And that's the way I go with every play. Yes, we are you know? high priestesses. We priests. serve it. And uh, that's why I like to do these, you know, these plays by these new young playwrights. They are really, they have no fear. They're just serving it up one challenge after another. You don't even know uh, what's going to happen. Uh, as even in previews, you know, I've worked with Brandon Jacobs Jenkins and Jeremy O'Harris. Jeremy O'Harris, and uh, these these guys are just, I mean, 
Who cares? They have no fear, no nothing. They, they come from another reality, mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. You know, their growing up is not like our growing up was. Not at all. We grew up where our, everything was sort of doled out to us in teaspoons. Right. With this group. And we had rules. If you were a singer, you couldn't do plays. And if you did plays, then you couldn't sing. Which is why I ended up doing 15 years of, of, of theater mm -hmm. and taking my doing my acting in classes. Mm-hmm. You know, only in classes, and I stay in class, still in class today. But these guys, they come from a whole different thing, so the work is always like, I read the play, I, say, hmm, I don't even know if this is going to work. But you know what? I'm going to take on the challenge of these new playwrights. Mm -hmm. They are kicking but they sure are, and they, they, they just think that they know they can do anything. Mm. And they're not fa afraid of failure. No. There's no fear of failure. There's no walking on the light side. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I sort of uh, appreciate that. Uh, it, it's scary getting in there, you mm -hmm. know, but uh, I love that. I have discovered about my own process that um, there always comes a moment for me in my process where I am absolutely sure I'm going to fail, and this is going to be the worst thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. That's sort of where the work begins for me. Do you have anything like that in your process? <clears throat> um, I, I think I, I enjoy that fear factor. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I read someplace or a long time ago something about soldiers, the, that they step into the fear. Mm. That's what makes them heroes. Mm -hmm. You know, when they step into the fear. I think, you know, my father used to like to watch all these combat movies and things like that. And uh, as his little girl, he, he wished he had boys, but he, we, we watched him with, and that was, and I saw that, that the heroes, they're soldiers, you know, everybody's a soldier, but the heroes are the ones that see the fear, acknowledge the fear, and step into it. Mm -hmm. And I also I think I choose to do these different plays <clears throat> if they make me scared. I'll tell you what happened. George sent me a play by Susan Laurie Parks, and it was called In the Blood. I remember you telling me about that play, and I was like, I'm not even coming to see that play. I, I <laughs> said, and I was doing you know, one of my plays at La Jolla at the time, and he sent this play to me, and I waited, you know, one afternoon. I went to Del Mar to read the play in this wonderful outdoor setting, and I read that play. <gasps> that play just gave me, made it disturbed me so. Mm -hmm. And I got back in the car. It's time for me to get back in time to do my warm-up for the show, and I'm driving down Pacific Coast Highway, and I'm feeling something's happening to me, something's happening to me, because I said, I'm going back, and I'm going to tell George, oh, no, I'm not doing this. This is ridiculous. I'm not ever doing a play like this. Mm -hmm. and, and then I had to pull over on the side of the road because I didn't know what was going on. I was having an anxiety attack, and I had to get out of the car, and I had to walk around the car, and I was just crying and trying to catch my breath mm -hmm. and having a full-on anxiety attack because of that play and then I got back in the car and I drove onto the theater and I remember being on a pay phone calling George and saying George I'm gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> 
I will do this play. This player made me vomit on the side of the road. I, I'm going to do it. Mm. And he said, you know, it had taken so long for me to read it even, you know, because I couldn't really, you know, how she writes. It looks different on the page with mm. Susan Laurie Park's play. It just doesn't even look like a regular play. So there's your warning right there. Mm. It's not written like that. And, uh, yeah, uh, that that was scary. And I... We even in rehearsal, and it was Reggie Montgomery mm. that I got a chance to work with again. Mm. And Reggie Montgomery was—he was one that would throw down the, the thing. Mm -hmm. And he said at the meet and greet, he said, "Darling, um, I know you're kind of persnickety." <laughs> and he said, "Because you know we'd worked together before." And he said, uh, "On a Caucasian." And he said, I know you're kind of persnickety, and uh, I know there's a, uh, like a, there's some question, questionable sexual practice that is in the play, written in the play. So I just want to calm your nerves and let you know that I am circumcised. <laughs> I'm spreading. <laughs> Putting some cream cheese on my bagel and putting some smoked salmon on it, and he's telling me oh. there was a questionable practice oh, that had to happen oh, in the yes, play. Yes. He said just so that you could. I said to the I had to go to the director immediately, David S. Bjornsson, and I said I hope on the day, David, that you will be the director, and you will we will make everybody in that <clears throat> theater know that that questionable practice has been practiced. <laughs> Without me having to find yeah. out if he there, was telling the this truth. This is the theater, and I should not have to do anything with that circumcised penis. Because mm. <laughs> Espy, is, he's wild. He's wild. He, is I, wild. I always say I'll follow David Espy yes. into the dark in yes, the day. Yes, he is wild. he does love the darkness. He does. And, and Reggie Montgomery tested me Every day in rehearsal, he was my little baby, mm -hmm. who was the most adorable, the one I loved the most. Mm -hmm. And then he was my tormentor, mm. my absolute. Susan Laurie Parks, that was a brilliant, brilliant play. And, you know, I, I just thank George C. Wolf for thinking of me mm. for that. He always, <clears throat> he, he, he opened the door. Mm. And... And gave me that play, which I think changed my life in the theater. Mm. How so? Well, before then, you know, I do these musicals. I was hired for energy and yes, fun. Yes, you're the ingenue and, and cute and fun, da, 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 right? Da, da. Mm. And you said something to me once, Charlene. You, I mean, uh, um, uh, Tanya. Tanya, you said, Charlene, you know, you're considered um, a bit of a lightweight. Mm. I said that? Yes, you did. Mm. But you were saying, in this business... That that's what they thought because you know that those little parts that I would those parts those happy person energized singers you know but George he knew me we mm -hmm. were neighbors on West End Avenue mm -hmm. and he and I did his first musical in town and uh, at playwrights and he knew me and he knew that you had depth I had stuff to do this and that I was dying to do it. You know, mm -hmm. and so he gave me that chance mm -hmm. in um, Susan Laurie Parks's play. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy world that we are devoted to, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. But it's a wonderful thing to be able to say we survived it mm. and we're surviving it. Mm-hmm. And we're still doing we're it. We're in it. <clears throat> we're still in it. You know, a lot of people have dropped out. Right. We are still in it, and I'm thankful to that every day, every day. The people are, you know, just offer me these great, great roles. I've been offered uh, The Alchemist, you mm-hmm. know, Red Bull Theater. Okay. Is, Al- doing, is Coelho? Is doing, Someone did an adaptation of the, the Coelho Al- play? The Alchemist. Okay. No, it's, a, it's an adaptation from... Um, it's an adaptation. No, not from that. No, okay. no, no, no. It's a classic. You know, the Red Bull Theater does classic. Right, right, right. And you've um, worked with them plays. a lot. I've worked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I believe in them, and they they resurrect these plays that nobody's ever done. So this is an adaptation of the uh, uh, the Alchemist, and so that'll be crazy because you know that's going to be wild and funny and. Uh, just a big old hoot that's in the spring and will you now you're on two shows so what are your shooting schedules between the two shows well pose is about to do their third season okay i don't know if i'm going to be on that i was contracted for two seasons okay and think about my role helen st rogers is the teacher the dance teacher well my student has uh graduated okay so i don't even know how they would have me there. Okay. You know what I mean? So that's a question mark. Um, but I don't sit around and wait and depend on, right. you know. No, I aim to keep going. And my play has to be produced. Um, and we're dealing with that right now of who, what we're going to do. Right. Um, so I just keep, thank God I, I'm, I'm a self-starter, you know. I just keep a play. And whenever you write your own play, then it also opens more doors. Mm. Reminds people, oh, yeah, she's still here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's still here. All right, look at this. So, you know, I'm looking forward. I look forward to every day, mm. you know. I look forward because I don't know what's going to happen. You know? Yeah. I was talking to Mary Alice. She turns 83 next week. Mary Alice. And she was saying that she is the happiest she's ever been. She says she was a very sort of sad person when she was young, and now she just doesn't care, so she enjoys life. And I, I feel like I've gotten old enough to to enjoy things and to not worry about things mm-hmm. as I, the way I did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's what happens is we just get older, wiser, you know. Not everybody gets older and wiser. Yeah, but what's the use of going crazy? It doesn't change anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> but people know? still decide not to get wiser anyway. Yeah. And also, it doesn't. It, it helps that I'm. I've been in therapy for seven years. <laughs> I don't know how anybody lives in this business without being in some sort of um, have going for some mental health. Mm. You know, not just at the Pilates studio, mm. but also all that other thing, all of that other stuff. So that has been. You know, a way of being the, you know, I've been turned on to being the interested observer. Mm-hmm. So. What is the interested observer? That person that's, that the other part of me. Oh, of yourself. Of myself. The witness, witnessing the yourself. The witness that 
is watching her. Why is she uh, being so angry right now? Look at her. Does she have to be angry right now? I mean, wow, she can really go off. You know? <laughs> you know? So it's not until you watch yourself and see what you're doing. You can't correct it. You can't control it. You can't do anything unless you observe that that's a thing with you. You know, and that's what I love about that. When I go into rehearsal now, you know, there was a time when things would just make me crazy in rehearsal. <clears throat> that doesn't happen anymore mm -hmm. because I saw myself, oh, she's getting crazy like this. And then I just said, aha. Uh -huh. You know, and I like being in a leadership position in in the theater, in, the, mm. in a play, because I remember how tough it was when we were entering those casts. And I, I said, when I grow up, that's what I said in my 20s, when I grow up and I will be doing this into my old age, I want everyone to have a great time on any show that they, they share with me. Mm. I don't want them to have to go through the madness or find themselves <clears throat> trying to get out of some bag. I'm going to make sure that we go on the ride, that we take all the risks, but we're not, nobody's gonna get hurt. Mm. So here's my last hard question. I forgot I wrote it down that I wanted to ask you about this. So you've been on Pose, which is, you know, all of these amazing trans actors, my friend MJ, you got Delon, you got Billy. Um, uh oh, she's like, this is just, you know, this is a touchy subject, and I've actually asked MJ and, and Shakina to come on and talk to me about it. I just have been, you know, I feel like most of my brown trans friends, their struggles are about not getting killed and not getting beaten up and surviving. And I've been hearing all this stuff about people um, shaming people or, uh, you know, destroying people's careers if they won't acknowledge, you know, make the mistake of, 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 of calling someone who's trans not using the right pronoun or uh, not referring to them as a woman. And so I haven't personally had that experience, but I wondered, did that kind of stuff happen on Pose? Like, what's the, the culture of that for people and the, the pronouns and the, you know, what is that? <clears throat> well, on the first, before we did the first um, season, we had a whole meeting of the entire cast and crew and everyone had to be there. Directors, writers, everyone was there. We were in a big place uh, over in um, Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. I mean, to a, a place, a room that would accommodate the crew and the cast. And uh, there was uh, there were two women that were running this this uh, session to let everyone know. The rules. And what were the rules? You know, like um, just telling, in, for instance, introducing everyone to the world we're about to step into. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, and actually, I felt that day that it took, it freed, like, say, our crew has never worked in a in a a, 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 a show where it's completely diverse. You know. Uh, everybody's backstage is, is LB, LGBTQ, AI, everything. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's like. This is 
who it is and these women and this is and and it was just sort of it was a crash course mm -hmm. in the world that we were about to enter mm -hmm. and i thought that was very very helpful because on the set it was lovely mm. it was just lovely and the care and the care that the crew gave gave us and the the care that everyone and when somebody i remember one day we were on stay uh, on location and some uh, uh, a background person mm -hmm. came up to one of the actors and said something very rude, and you know, it was just it was just and I, I went, uh, you know, I talked to my uh, producer and I said, you know, we need protection so that that doesn't happen in our temple. Mm. That's what happens outside. Mm. But come on now, y'all, we have to have some protection here. We mm -hmm. need security. Nobody should be able to get so close that they can come and insult somebody. Mm. You know? So it's, you know, it's a hard road that these ladies are traveling down, you know? It's hard. And, but on Pose, we, everyone tried to make that a safe environment because the things that those people were bringing, that were bringing to the fore, has never been brought to the fore before, you mm -hmm. know? So, yeah. Uh, I've had a trans girlfriend since 1981. And she never, uh, I mean, she just found out that I knew she was trans. Oh, she thought you didn't know? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Why? Because she was my girlfriend, mm -hmm. and how do I, how do I, how do I handle Tanya Pinkins? She's my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. How am I going to handle her? She's my girlfriend, you know. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to. What am I bringing up? Mm -hmm. What am I? And she certainly didn't. Mm -hmm. And then um, when Pose happened, mm -hmm. she said I had her come to the. Premiere. Mm -hmm. She was my guest. Oh, okay. And she sat there and wept and wept oh. and wept. Oh. And when we got home that night, the, she stayed with me that night. Mm. We both had to take trains and planes and get away from here the next mm. morning. So she said, Charlene, Charlene Woodard, who the hell are you? <laughs> I had no idea. She thought that if I ever found out, that she was trans, that I wouldn't be her friend, mm. only to know that for decades, I've known, and for decades, she's just been my girlfriend. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's very beautiful. <clears throat> and sad. And we're both, you know, in the business. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting for her because, you know, uh, people are like, isn't it interesting? She says, you know, I've played lovers, mothers, grandmothers, lawyers, everybody. She never told people that she was trans. And still hasn't today. Oh, no, she has. Oh, okay. Did Pose play a role, a part in that? She came, no, in a, a, a play that came before that. But, you know, for decades. Mm. She's been going up for roles that you and I would go up for. Mm -hmm. 
and she's been getting them. <laughs> I said, what's she doing? That's, didn't I audition for that lawyer? My God. You know, but, you know, I have, she's my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any kind of a, any, any kind of a thing with that. Mm-hmm. So what is next for Charlene Woodard? What's next? The holidays. <laughs> oh God, I feel like you know I've been on a, a big, a big uh, treadmill, mm-hmm. and now it's time to settle in. I'm going to host my book club. I'm going to put up my tree. My husband said, "Come on home and put up the Christmas tree. We're going to put up the tree. We're going to have people visiting. We're going to have we're going to have fun. I'm going to start some more Pilates. There's a studio around the corner from my house. We're going to fly into the new year." You know, and counting our blessings. Yes. And as you, because you brought it up books, because you know, I'm a, I'm a heavy reader too. Mm-hmm. Like you are a heavy reader. So I think I'm going to start asking people what they're reading. Mm-hmm. What are you reading right now? What I'm reading right now is uh, Celestial Bodies. No, is it? Yes. Celestial Bodies. And I'm in uh, Oman. You know that country? Mm-hmm. And it's about those that slave, they're slaves, and mm-hmm. then they're the rich, mm-hmm. and it's about that world, mm-hmm. you know, because there is slavery still to this day. Oh yes, <clears throat> and um, it's a fabulous read. It won the Man Booker Prize okay. last year, the first foreign, uh, uh, foreign, you know, written in another language. Mm-hmm. Um, translation. Arabic, yeah. Right. First foreign translation to win the, the Man Booker Prize. I will check that out. It's fierce. And so I'm all in that world with those, and that, that, the, those rules, the mm-hmm. rules of, of uh, the religion and the culture. Mm. I do love to be taken away. Yes, me know. too. Me too. Mm-hmm. We've always had a good book. Yes, <laughs> always had a good book. And, and Esapetha turned me on to so many great books. Mm-hmm. And I have a book club, uh, the same book club. I joined my book club in 1997, and we are all still there. Well-read black girls? Uh, it's co-ed. Okay. I'm the only actor and the only black person. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of writers. Okay. A lot of lawyers. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, it's kind of... And we read the best fiction, and, and we read bio, biographies, the good biographies, and we just love to read. I, these people in my book club read two and three a month. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it like that myself. Yes, you have to, like, what is the, what am I into right now? One of the, the people in my book club has written a book that's only online. Tim Hoy has written this, so that's the other one I'm reading, and it's called... Um, you know, how can I remember it? I'll have to get it from my... <laughs> but if you go online and look up Tim Hoy, this is his second novel. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you, Charlene, for coming and talking with me on You Can't Say That. You know, Tanya, thank you. <laughs> I have never sat down in front of a microphone and talked like I've spoken today, you know, but it just feels good Good. to do it. It was a pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And you are on You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network with Tanya Pinkins and Charlene Woodard. Thanks for listening to You Can't Say That. 
the show where you can. I'm Tanya Pinkins. This is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Derek Gunther, music by Anthony Norman, available wherever you get your podcast. And visit me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and let me know what you'd like to hear me talk about. For more information, visit bpn.fm forward slash YCST. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.